Hello everyone, I'm Pete Lyons from Schumacher Racing, and you're listening to 300, the RC Racing Podcast. Uh, alongside me on the phone, I have my ever-present co-host, Alexander Hayward of CML Distribution. Say good evening, Alexander. Hi Pete, how you doing? Yes, I'm very, very well. And we are delighted to uh, welcome on the phone um, uh, uh, somebody we're very, very excited to talk to. We've been planning this one for a little bit of time now. Um, the legend that is Jared Tebow. Welcome, Jared. Hey, guys. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, you are more than welcome. You are more than welcome. We're very excited to have you on. And we think that uh, our worldwide listeners, but obviously a heavy waiting to our UK listeners, will be extremely interested to hear from you and what you've got to say about the US scene. And so I'll just start off by just asking you, obviously fans of yours on Facebook, like myself and others, will have seen that you weren't too well recently. So how are you feeling at the moment? Yeah, um, thankfully I'm feeling really good now. Uh, pretty much back to normal. Um, but yeah, about uh, about two weeks, well, yeah, two weeks ago at this time, I was uh, in the hospital um <clears throat> got really sick had a really bad fever um you know pretty much all the uh the covid symptoms and i was at home trying to rest and trying to feel better and then had had some breathing issues that my wife um was able to see while i was sleeping and so she took me to the er and uh got admitted into the hospital spent a few days in the hospital and um thank goodness right kind of when i got there um, you know, they put an IV in me, they were giving me some medicine and my symptoms started going away and I was, I was kind of on the backside of the sickness. So I think all my bad times were kind of at home. And so, um, yeah, yeah I was able just to be in there for a few days to kind of monitor my breathing and make sure my symptoms didn't come back. And, um, yeah, was sent home and had to do a 14 day quarantine at home and it's, uh, it's almost over. So Tuesday, I'm free to go, <laughs> free to go and yeah. go on some bike rides, you know, leave the house. So, but yeah, that, that, yeah, thank, that will thank be God nice. I'm feeling better and, um, you know, back to my normal self. It's kind of crazy. I lost seven pounds, so okay, I, didn't really right. have seven, mm. I didn't really have seven pounds to lose, but um, <laughs> yeah, I lost a little bit of weight and so, you know, still just yeah. like a touch week. I've started doing some activities. I've been doing a bunch of house projects and, you know, I find myself getting a little bit more tired than I normally would, but I haven't done very much for the last few weeks. So, you know, that's to be expected, but all mm. in all, I'm doing great. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, how long, um, how long did it take to set in the illness? So you say you went to hospital, but how long was it from the kind of first signs of any symptoms that you had to being admitted? I think I kind of had some symptoms sooner before I really realized them. So I was, I had to do like a big, uh, yard project on this, um, this house that I fixed up and, um, and selling and I was doing some bike rides and stuff. And just, I was feeling like my body was just sore a lot. And I was just kind of thinking, Oh, maybe it's just cause all the stuff I'm doing. But then I was, thinking, well, you know, I'm pretty fit right now and I shouldn't be feeling like this. And probably like three days later, after I started noticing like body pains, um, then my fever kicked in. So I had a fever 
like midday on a Thursday. And it was like first time I kind of noticed that, you know, I had a fever. It was about 102. Then Friday, it was like 102 to 104 all day. Uh, Friday night, it was 104 all night. Saturday, it kind of went back down to like 102 all day. And then um, Saturday night into Easter Sunday is when I went to the ER. And when I uh, when I checked into the ER, my temperature was like 102.5, something like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, thankfully, I didn't have symptoms. You know, you hear some people having them for a couple weeks. And, you know, yeah. every case seems so, so different. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think it really just depends on how healthy your body is and how your body is able to fight it. So, mm. you know, thankfully I'm pretty healthy. Didn't have any underlying issues. Yeah. Uh, had a really strong respiratory system with my cycling. And so, you know, my body fought it really, really hard. Um, so I didn't have it too long. Yeah. Oh, good. And the rest of your family okay? They didn't catch it? No, no. It doesn't seem like anyone else really caught it. Um, we think maybe Nash could have possibly had it because he had like a fever and coughing for like two weeks and it just kept coming and going. It'd be like one day he's yeah. okay, one day he's not okay, one day he's okay. And we took him into the pediatrician um, urgent care a couple different times and they kept saying that he had walking pneumonia. Okay. Um, right. Yeah, and so you know they didn't test or anything for COVID, obviously, because he was a young child, and uh, mm. you know at that time they weren't really doing much testing. So we don't know if maybe he had it, and you know that's kind of where I got it because we weren't. We've been doing the social distancing like pretty strictly. Um, you know, we've been pretty safe, so not really sure how I how I got sick and. Um, but yeah, thankfully all the other kids were good. Megan's good. Cole had a had a really bad cough for a while, like when mm-hmm. I was in the hospital, but no fever, and um, his cough's all gone now. So we're we're all feeling healthy right now. Yeah, all good. That's very good to know. And it's uh, I won't I won't uh, uh, labour the issue because uh, some of our listeners uh, obviously know we we discussed it on previous shows. But I do wonder about this is because I'm sure that I had it in December. But uh, I I just thought I was run down, but it it didn't manifest itself like yourself, Jared. It was it was a, a lot milder. I thought I was just run down, and it seems so variable from person to person, from young to old, so on and so forth. So it it's it's all a bit of a, a mystery, really. But I can obviously say that when I saw the report on Facebook that you weren't well, obviously it was very concerning. And so to see that you'd made, when you were doing the updates, it was really great to see the improvements you were making. And we're just really, really pleased, obviously, that you're back up on your feet and uh, thought it would be a good place to start so that the community knows that you're back to sounding yourself. So that must have thrown racing up in the air somewhat in the US with everything that's going on. And we, we obviously in the UK, we're not racing at the moment at all, despite us having joked on a previous show that we were sneaking off to tracks, myself and Alexander, <laughs> contrary to the rules, uh, which we obviously weren't. So what's it like in the US at the moment with the the racing and what's your immediate plans? Yeah, I mean, right now, all racing's pretty much shut down. There are tracks that are doing... Uh, practicing and i've seen some tracks even still doing club racing um i know there's a track in arizona that people are club racing at weekly um i 
I haven't been able to drive at all. Um, you mm. know, our weather right now is kind of in the springtime, we get rain and stuff. And so like my local outdoor track um, isn't quite prepped up and ready to go practice at, but uh, I'm going to try to get out and practice hopefully soon. Um, mm. You know, I'm, I'm wanting to drive. I know that some, you know, some of the other pro drivers have been able to practice and drive. And so, you know, I don't want to be totally caught off guard once we start racing back again. Yes, um, of course. So, uh, but yeah, I, I've just been kind of taking this time just to spend a lot of time with family to, mm-hmm. um, you know, knock out a bunch of projects at home, just kind of things that I haven't, you know, really had the time to do. Um, you know, we've been all riding bicycles, you know, before I got sick, we were riding bicycles a lot together, doing that type of stuff. But yeah, I mean, all, all the racing is all is all shut down. Some tracks are, are opening for practice and kind of doing some, you know, closed door practicing with like 10 or less people type things like that. Um, mm. But not much around where I live. Yes. Yeah, I wish we'd been able to do some of that. But the BRCA over here, our governing body, put an end to all of it to uh basically put itself in 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 line with i think the motorsport association wasn't it alexander and then of course what the, the, so. the uk government had said yeah just because um was. we obviously we can go and practice at a lot of our tracks in this country you can just pay a fee or you can be a member and you can go and they give you the gate code and you can let yourself in and have a go but i think they were worried perhaps that with people off work they are going to start making unnecessary journeys and going to these tracks and Although you can keep yeah. social distancing at these places quite easily and you can only have, say, two or three on the driver's stand at once and, and that kind of thing. I think they it was more of a case of saying, no, just close everything. And then it's kind of like one rule then for everyone rather than just saying, well, yeah, you guys can open and you guys can't. And it kind of stops any kind of gray areas then if everything is just completely closed. So as far as we're, we, we are, we're aware at the moment, no one in this country is practicing at all or racing anywhere or unless they're looking no. to have a track in their back garden. But as, as Pete mentioned to you when we spoke uh, the other day, Jared, um, we don't really have much space in this country, really. We're generally quite limited on how much room we have around our houses and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, the chances of someone having a track in their garden are, qu- are quite slim. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the main thing. Like most of the tracks that are open and doing practicing, even like that track that's racing in Arizona, like that's at their home property. So. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that have uh, houses or have tracks at their, you know, either property that they own or even at their house. Um, mm. You know, so that's kind of how those places, if it's, you know, we don't really have like that many clubs or uh, things kind of how it is in the UK. Yes. But if, if it's a, uh, you know, if it's like a building uh, business track, those I I think right now pretty much have to remain closed. Yeah, It's quite interesting, yes. actually, that... Um, side of things because obviously in america as you just mentioned you have tracks which are businesses which are attached to shops and they have um the track there so for example ocrc and um which is the one in arizona where the kim world race was held yeah uh, hobby action uh, hobby action yeah so these yep. are actually mm-hmm. run as businesses and are quite successful whereas in this country unfortunately nothing like that can i want to go really. that far as quite successful but <laughs> <laughs> oh okay it's a tough it's a tough business to keep going <laughs> Yeah. Track, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's more yeah, for the love of it rather than the uh, yeah. money making yeah. venture. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. very difficult for us to have permanent venues as well. We have a few. Uh, Midlands Raceway in Birmingham being one. Uh, MB Models does a very, very good job. 
up in Leeds. That's a, 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 a fantastic venue attached to a model shop. But there, there's just not really feasible, so feasible here in the UK. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, it's the the thing with tracks being open and closed, of course, is that we're a tiny country compared to the US and you will have variations from state to state, no doubt, uh, in the regulations and how it's tackling uh, yeah. coronavirus. So that's why I'm sure there might be places where it might not be being affected as much as as much as others, I'm sure. Would you say that was correct? Yeah. Yeah. Especially right now, lots of states are talking about reopening, like starting in May. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting what happens here shortly. Yes. Yes. Well, on that tack, prior to all of this happening, um, you were, I'm sure, racing a B6.2 in two-wheel drive, weren't you? And the Techno four-wheel drive, amongst others, uh, along with you'd recently gone to Maclan Electrics, I think. So how's that? How was that all going for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, so in 2020, I did two uh, 110 scale races so far, uh, CRC and then the Reedy race. And um, actually, I don't have a B6.2. I just have my car from last year, the okay. point one. Um, and then, yeah, we have the new Techno uh, EV410.2. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. They went pretty good. Uh, the Reedy race was really up and down typical reedy race i was i was in the hunt quite a bit you know starting the last day i was sitting second and man i just had a terrible last day um mm-hmm. some my fault some not my fault and uh i don't even remember where i finished i maybe finished sixth or seventh or something um but i went like six six eight something right. something else bad I don't, I don't even know um so that race was rough but yeah when i made my switch to techno uh starting in 2019 i switched to macklin as well Mm -hmm. um and yeah that was uh actually uh kind of a surprise switch for me i um i was so focused on getting my chassis sponsor switched over that i wasn't really focused on electronics and then it was like in december i didn't really have anywhere to go and um, tried going to Hobby Wing, tried going to Tekin, but uh, mm-hmm. they couldn't really do anything. And so then, yeah, Joe Pillars actually, because uh, I tried going to much more as well, but, you know, everyone pretty much had their contract set. Yep. And, uh, you know, Joe Pillars um, mentioned Macklin that, hey, you know, you should you should reach out. And um, so, yeah, I reached out to, to Willie, the owner there, and, and he seems like a great guy, and they shipped me product, and I was pleasantly surprised um the mm-hmm. 110 stuff was excellent right from the get-go um okay. that's good it, yeah the stuff was awesome and you know that first year was kind of a product development year for the 18 scale stuff so mm-hmm. um i ran macklin stuff a little bit but i um you know we were testing a bunch of stuff and trying to get the you know the feeling that we wanted and the durability and stuff that we wanted so i ran some teakin stuff some hobby wing stuff some macklin stuff and then um, end of last year, my last couple of races, we had all the new revised uh, Macklin ESC and motor for the 1.8 scale. And um, mm-hmm. it's working really, really good. So they came out with it the start of 2020. And um, I, I think it's really, really good. The speed control is especially good with the feeling. Um, the motor has a little bit more drag than I would kind of like. 
Um, so that's something we're still kind of working on. But uh, it it works excellent. I used it at the Dirt Nitro Challenge and SIC. And, um, yeah, really, really good stuff. So that's that's really interesting to hear. You might have some <clears throat> things to say about that, Alexander. But like we've discussed, hearing your viewpoint on why certain tech and electronics will suit you is great. So, for example... Uh, you might get a, a, a racer in the UK who's an ordinary club racer uh, who will say, oh, you know, I'm running XYZ electrics, felt great, was brilliant. And you, you know that, well, if it went down the straight really, really fast, I don't mean sound patronizing about this, this um, uh, an, an, an other racer, and that's good for them. But for somebody of your standard, world-class there it's interesting to hear what might be the certain differentiators that makes that brand better for you than another wouldn't you agree there alexander just here like for example you're saying about the drag the motor had or how the feel you mentioned i know lots of us talk about the feel of like a, a speedo and is, are they the defining factors or do you would you look at your times as well as to see what what you're putting in lap after lap how, how does that work for you yeah, I mean, you can kind of look at lap times, you know, but um, for that kind of stuff, I'm just looking for the feel. Um, mm. I like a really linear feel. I drive really smooth and kind of like, I would say light, where I'm pretty just like soft with the touch. So I feel like I have a really good connection to um, to the car and to certain things that I'm feeling. You know, some mm. people um drive more aggressive with like the throttle um mm -hmm. you know even skilled drivers like cavalry for instance he pulls the throttle extremely hard like yeah. if you stand next to him on the driver's stand you can actually hear his throttle trigger clicking because <laughs> he just he just snaps it back um yeah. he's really he's really good with his steering um mm -hmm. so you know but for me like the way that my finger, I put like my whole finger pretty much in the trigger and it's like on my first knuckle. Right, so my, okay, yeah. my pull, my pull is pretty slow and mm. I don't actually pull full throttle very often at all. I'm like in like an eighth throttle to like three quarter throttle all the time. So right. I have like a really good feel on something being linear. So like mm. a speed control setting and like, the motor magnets and how sensitive and strong like the rotor is and all that um i i notice that stuff a lot so mm. you know some people so might not it might not you know bother them but for me i can i can feel all that stuff see for 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 somebody like yourself who's been world champion and truly world class i think uh, lots of people talk to me who listen to this show and they're club racers. And I think that, don't you think, Alexander, that'd be really interesting for them to hear that? Uh, yeah, definitely. That... I mean, um, I mean, you've you probably noticed yourself, Pete, as well, by changing electronics. And uh, yes. we've all kind of changed over the years. And we do notice differences. And I think uh, I'm with Jared on the fact that I like things to be linear. Same when it comes to steering. And I, I never use throttle exponential or steering exponential. I like to, whatever I put into the transmitter, I like that to be reflected in the car. You know, you don't mm -hmm. like any kind of artificial um, kind of throttle curve or anything like that. So I like any, everything linear, like uh, Jared said. Um, did you find it quite difficult to go 
or to make a switch? Like you say, you've, you found it quite comfortable almost straight away, but was it strange going from your old electrics to the new ones? Because I think you were with Orion before, were you? Yeah, I mean, I was with Orion for a really long time. Um, but, you know, the past couple of years, we switched to that HMX system. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, I, I really wasn't like a huge fan of it. Um, we mm. really fought that system at first, and we just could not get like the software to feel right. Mm. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I preferred my Macklin stuff. It was like the first time I drove, it was like, oh man, this stuff feels like how it's supposed to feel. You know, yeah. the old Orion stuff I thought was really, really good. You know, like the hobby wing based kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and we had just like a really good setting we never changed it. But then when we switched to the HMX, it's like, you know, which, you know, I did a lot of the testing for that first Orion stuff. Um, a lot of it. So it was kind of suited to me. And then, you know, Cav and Mayfield came and, and, you know, Joe Pillars worked on a lot. And that HMX stuff was a little bit different because uh, Hot Bodies or HB Racing or whatever owned Orion then. And, um, you know, so they're working a lot with David. And so it was more tuned, I think, around him. Like Adrian yeah. and David and stuff were working on a lot. And David has a pretty aggressive throttle driving style as well yeah. um you know and when we ran kyosho we liked a lot different feel on the car and things so you know that could have been part of it and uh so you know for me the macklin switch was 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 really easy um yeah. you know the stuff the stuff worked worked great right away and didn't really have any issues so when was the first time you used it so you say you, you switched was it for the 2019 season <laughs> yeah i mean my my first race with it was the Reedy Race 2019. Yeah. And you did quite well, if I remember. I won. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My, my <laughs> one and only Reedy Race win. So that was that was huge, you know. My first 10-skill race with Techno, uh, with Macklin. And, um, you know, it was awesome. I mean, the year before, I think I finished 16th or 17th. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's not to say that. I mean, that race is crazy. It's not to say that my Kyosho cars were terrible or you know, my Orion stuff was terrible. That's, that's no, not really the no. case. Um, <clears throat> but you know, it does, it does kind of show that the techno stuff, the Macklin stuff was really good because I was able to make that transition pretty quick. And, you know, I didn't do a whole lot of running in December with my new stuff, you know, maybe just yeah. a couple days, but you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, still represent Kyosho and my other sponsors and stuff through December. And, um, so I really didn't have a whole ton of time before the Reedy race. No, I think I remember you no, putting no. some Facebook videos on actually of practicing with your kids. I think you did some indoor running, I think with your kids or well, that may yeah. have been this for this year's Reedy race. But uh, I remember when you first kind of made the switch. Um, <clears throat> and if I remember right, I think you were thinking potentially of, you, you weren't quite sure where you were going to head, were you really with racing, whether you were going to carry on or whether you were going to practice, um, kind of take a step back from it a little bit and, and concentrate on other things but i remember um you saying that you decided to carry on and you, you switched to techno and then obviously the mclan electrics as well and it, do you reckon that kind of uh reignited the spark a little bit for you to carry on yeah i mean i was uh you know like 20 2017 2018 i was you know especially like i would say probably 2016 2017 i was just I just wasn't enjoying it that much. Um, you know, there was starting to get kind of some internal issues with Kyosho. Um, you know, just kind of some minor things. I don't want to get into a bunch of details on that, but yeah. it was just, uh, 
you know, I just wasn't really sure how much longer I wanted to be racing. I was, you know, not really doing super good. You know, I had some good races, but I wasn't doing as well as I expect myself to do. And, yeah. and I was just, in a, I was just in a weird spot. Like I could, I could come home from a race and I could practice four days a week and I would go to a race and I would still be fighting in like that fifth, fifth, sixth, seventh position. And then I could go home and I could not practice at all from one race to the next. And I could still be in that same position. Yeah. And that was something that like really bothered me mm-hmm. um, where I'm the type of person that I want to like work really hard and I don't want to just race. I don't want to like just go to the races for a paycheck and not be putting in the effort like that I'm that I want to to fight for the wins. But then at the yeah. same time, when I was putting on the effort in and I wasn't seeing any difference in my results, I was getting really discouraged. So yeah. I was kind of done with racing. And um, so then, you know, you go to 2018, I had a new team manager with Zach Rogers and, uh, you know, he was just excited to get that position. Um, we were good friends and we had a blast traveling together. Um, that was yeah. a really fun year. He, uh, he kind of forced me to see things in a different view. And I had a little bit of a perspective change that year. And so then it was kind of like, well, you know, maybe I will, you know, keep racing. It was actually in January of 2018, I reached out to Techno and told them that, you know, my Kyosho contract's ending, you know, I'd be kind of interested to talk to you guys. You know, I like the vibe you guys have and stuff. And at that time, they said they didn't have any plans of changing their driver lineup. And so... Um, you know, there wasn't really much interest there. And, uh, so then, you know, 2018 goes through and I wasn't really sure. I talked to some companies, but it's, it's really tough. You know, a top level driver, you know, people think that, oh, we just switched because of performance or this or that. It takes, there's so much stuff for a Mayfield, a Cavalry, me, a Testman, you know, Ralph Ongaro or something. There's a huge investment there involved because I have to make money to provide for my family. I have to have a certain amount of cars, kits, travel, budget, you know, a pit guy, all these different things where it's a big deal. You know, I can't just call up some company and just, oh, yeah, we want to have you drive. So it's not Mm. that easy, Um, you know, and it depends on how the other companies are with their contracts, if they have contracts ending or if, you know, because sometimes we get mixed up on years. Some companies do two years, some do three. And I actually was under a five-year contract with Kyosho. So, you know, sometimes those timelines don't always line up. Yes, yeah, of course. And uh, so that summer, I went to real estate school to get my real estate license because I was thinking, you know, that might be something I'd like to get into. Um, I bought an investment house to uh, start flipping to, you know, kind of see if I like that. And... Um, then at the world in Australia, I talked to a couple more companies. Um, I was talking, I was talking to serpent and I was talking to S works and it was kind of seeming like it was going to be one of those two. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I didn't test any of their cars, you know, it's like I was saying at the top, top level is the money side and making sure all the logistics can work out is more important than the cars. Most yeah. of the companies make pretty good cars. Um, you know, us top drivers, we can make a lot of the cars work, you know, so I wasn't, you know, that's not really like a big make it or break it type of deal. You know, you have to worry about the other stuff kind of first. 
to yes. see if it can work out for everybody. And um, yeah, like a couple weeks after the Worlds, uh, Techno ended up shooting me an email asking me if I was still interested. And I'm like, heck yes, I'm still interested. And <laughs> so um, they flew me out to San Diego and I kind of met everybody and um, we went and, and tested uh, tested the eight scale, you know, that's kind of their main focus. And, yeah. you know, um, if you remember back to Australia, they debuted their new car and, um, they had a really rough event, you know, they just had lots of little issues and they just weren't quite ready, uh, with their new car. And yeah. so, you know, they were, that was kind of their big concern. If I was still interested, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm not worried about that. You know, like I'm confident and, myself and you guys like we'll make the car work i'm not worried about that you know let's make sure all the logistics can work first and uh so i i flew out there and we tested the car and actually the the test day went really really good and um you know that that's pretty much how it all how it all came about um and then you know when you do make a change it's obviously exciting you know i wanted to go to the track i was learning a bunch of new stuff um and then 2019, the first year, it was a good year overall, had lots of ups and downs. You know, obviously it started out really well with the Reedy race. Um, but then you go to like DNC, DNC was super rough, just had lots of like weird little issues, um, you know, just certain things. And, yeah. and then, um, you know, I kind of realized that with Kyosho, I was you know, I was really limited with kind of the, the setup options, you know, and I pretty much drove the same exact eight-scale car for 10 years. Yeah. Um, you know, like nothing really changed on it, you know, a couple tiny things. But so I was, I was, I know exactly what I want to feel, Um, you know, but I don't, I'm not an engineer. I don't know the engineer talk and all this stuff and then go to this techno car and we have so many options of setup changes and it was really intimidating and uh you know the the engineers there they needed to learn what i like what i don't like and so we had to learn each other quite a bit and 2019 was a huge learning year something i wasn't expecting um mm. and if anything that was it was it was excellent for me you know now i i feel like i have a lot more knowledge and you know it forced me to actually learn a lot about myself um and kind yeah. of how I tick, why I do certain things, you know, um and go to 2020, you know, I I feel really happy with my racing. I feel really really comfortable where I am. Um I feel like we've made just leaps and bounds as a group together. Um you know, you go 2019 DNC to 2020 DNC um, the whole techno team did did excellent this year. Um, a lot of yeah. us were fighting towards the top, you know, um, kind of a new a newcomer to the scene. He's been racing for a long time, but Seth Van Dalen, you know, he TQ'd Nitro Buggy. He made all three mains. You know, Jared Wiggins made a main for the first time, um, you know, at DNC. Uh, mm-hmm. Joe Bornhorse was up in the hunt in a lot of the classes. And then for me, you know, I, I fought for the win in all three classes, which did not happen whatsoever the year before. Um, yeah. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. you know, the, the, the Nitro Buggy main, I wish, you know, looking back, I could have done a couple things a little different maybe and could have fought David for the win a little better and, you know, uh, yeah. made a couple crashes I wish I didn't make and, and stuff like that. But, 
you know, it's really tough to have a goal of winning every race because so many things have to happen the right way. Cool. So for me, my, my goal is to just be in the hunt to win. And, yeah. you know, I, I can look at every race so far this year. Um, Reedy race, I was in the hunt. Yeah, it didn't turn out. Um, SIC, I was in the hunt in every class. I ended up winning, um, you know, winning one class, second another class. Uh, DNC, I led a bunch of the Truggy main, ended up finishing fourth. Um, E-Buggy, you know, battled up there, finished third. Nitro Buggy, I battled, finished second. So yeah. um, the year's been going great. You know, it's it's a really big bummer that it all got ha- got halted because I felt like I was on a really good roll. Um, yeah. But, you know, this downtime, I've been able to think a lot, um, you know, put my perspective back in check, realign my thought process and stuff. And, um, you know, as of today, right now, I'm loving my job. I'm loving racing. You know, I'm looking to That's renew awesome my to contracts. Hear. You know, I would I would love it for Techno to, you know, offer me a two or three year contract extension. I'd I'd sign it in a heartbeat today if they, you know, if that was an option. So um, I'm looking to to race for a few more years. I feel like I'm still competitive and, you know, that that fires there. You know, I I want to work hard and I want to see that my hard work is actually paying off. Um, and you know, that's, what's going on right now. And so I'm, I'm super happy with the racing, you know, the real estate side, I have my license, you know, I get asked a lot, Oh, how's real estate? Are you selling houses? And, you know, I, I haven't done anything. I'm not practicing the real estate stuff at all. Um, I have my license. I actually just put it in referral mode, so I can't actually do any transactions or anything. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's on the back burner. And uh, yeah. racing is my full focus right now. Well, um, I would say that's uh, Techno, if you're listening. Uh, obviously, Dan Austin's a good friend of mine, runs Techno in the UK. <laughs> um, he, if, uh, Dan, have a word. So you've heard it there. <laughs> you've heard it there. But on that, honestly, that's, that's uh, really interesting to hear, uh, Jared, about, for example, uh, just rewinding slightly where you were saying about all the uh, 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 stars, for want of an expression, have to line up, don't they, as to what happens with these driver contracts. So it's not as simple as, oh, you know, X, Y, Z wants to move there or Jared wants to move there because, you know, there's money involved, there's contracts, there's there's a lot to it. And uh, I could, you can see how the, the complexities of drivers moving between teams at the world-class level isn't easy um so that that was really really interesting to hear and just rewinding again just slightly for some listeners who might not know is um obviously um you had your first race in 1999 age 12 you turned pro 18 months later which in itself is astonishing the ability that you have and had to do that And that means that's that's twenty years. Probably a little bit, quite a bit less than that. But I was, <laughs> I had my, uh, you know, I had a a contract to where I was, you know, fully one hundred percent sponsored, full travel for me and my dad. Um, but yeah, yes. two thousand, you know, even um, so, I got my first car in March of ninety nine. I got an RC yeah. ten GT, a used one. The oh, hobby yeah, store cool. told told my dad that he was an idiot, that uh, 
a young kid should drive electric first. There's no reason to buy a gas powered car. And, um, you know, <clears throat> my dad and he's a gearhead, love motorcycles, race motorcycles my whole life. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, no way, you know, we're getting a gas car. And so, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, yeah, came through the ranks super, super fast. Uh, I actually, I raced the dirt nitro challenge in night in 2000. Um, it was yeah. in January back then. And, so that was kind of the race that um, kind of put me on the map with some of the some of the companies. I I struggled in qualifying back then. They didn't have Open Pro and Sportsman and all this stuff. It was just one class. All in together. And, uh, yeah. I qualified in the F Main and uh, bumped all the way up and actually finished fourth um, in the A Main. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you yeah. basically just kind of refuel, retire, and just go straight back out for every final? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, we're, you know, back then we we're on a super tight racing budget, you know, uh, my dad yeah. didn't have a bunch of money. Um, you know, and I think this actually worked out to my benefit. You know, you guys were kind of wanting me to share some of my thoughts on how I think I got to where I got so quick. And yeah. the main thing was, is once we got that first car and we kind of started racing, you know, my dad basically said, you know, don't expect to run any other classes because I don't have the money to buy any yeah. other cars. You know, like if you want to race, we'll put, you know, full effort. You know, one thing that is great that my dad taught me is he's he's full effort, full in. Like we're not going to like toy around with anything. You know, if we're going to spend the time and the money to do something, then you're going to put in the effort and, you know, to try to do to do your best, you know, you don't always have to be like the best at everything, but we're not going to waste a bunch of time and money just to like play around. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I took the driving serious. I mean, obviously I was a young kid, um, but you know, I really like to drive. I, I love to drive. I couldn't drive enough. I was practicing four days a week. Yeah. Um, you know, any chance I could get, I was, I was at the track and my dad put a lot of effort in too. Um, you know, we could only afford to run the one car. So I only raced gas truck up until mm -hmm. I was completely 100% sponsored. Um, so, you know, I learned how to drive that one car really well. And yeah, my yes. dad learned how to maintenance that one car really well. You know, one big thing I see at the races is, People, for one, people aren't very good mechanics. Yeah. And for two, they race too many cars to where they just, yeah. they simply can't keep up with the maintenance. So their cars yeah. are in terrible shape and the cars are driving really bad. People want to focus so much on setup. And yeah, learning setup's key only if your car is working properly. Yeah. If you have a bad hub bearing, if you have a bad diff, if your shocks are bound up, your setup is utterly useless. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they're so worried about a ball stud washer that they haven't rebuilt their diff in three months. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you could raise or lower your ball stud 20 millimeters. It's going to make no difference if your diff's blown up. And so yeah, that's, yeah. that's the big thing that I see is people just wanting to run too many classes. And then the chances they have to go to the track they spent their whole time at the track working on their car where yeah. the second I got to the track, I was on the driver's seat and I would drive yeah. until they shut the lights off 
and they were forcing mm. us out of the track. Mm, you know, yeah. most of the time people get to the track and their cars are thrashed. They haven't touched them since they broke in their main last week. Mm. You know, they barely make their first qualifier. They didn't get to drive at all. Um, you know, driving mm. is how you get better. Yeah, and, you see you know, these characters all the time, don't you, Alex- yeah. Alexander? Jared, just so you know, would be he's he's the sort who's on the track every day um, when the lights are out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, driving as much as possible. But it's it's interesting how um, it's so true. You say, though, it's so it, true. It's, it's all about the preparation as well, isn't it? So you spend the time during the week or the the time you're not at the track, making sure your car is perfect and prepping everything. So at least you know when you go to practice, like you say, you can. You can chuck a battery in it and out you go. Or if you go to yeah. um, a club race, or whatever, you can. Your car is ready. You know it's all all ready to go. You can just chuck a battery and go out for practice. One of the people are still there. They're gluing their tires up because they haven't glued them yet, and and all that yep. kind of thing. Um, like you say, as, as much time practicing as, as much track time as possible. But like you say, everything needs to work properly as well. So the car needs to be perfect. Uh, it all needs to kind of work together. I mean, not you know, not totally perfect, but just like the maintenance side is so key. And, yeah. you know, that's just stuff that so many people skip out on, you know, and they, you know, it's funny as a pro driver, especially, you know, I'm doing all these Facebook live shows and mm-hmm. the amount of comments that I get that people want to discuss setup is just, yeah, it's hilarious to me. And it's, <laughs> it's mind boggling and people don't, people, th- this is what makes the big difference and of how, you know, like people can you know, be good at something or not be good at something is you have to be willing to spend the time on the things that are actually going to make you better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's practice, practicing and driving and maintenance in your car so that you can actually finish races and so that you can have good practice time, you know? Yeah. Um, they think that, you know, like pros have like these golden setups or like, you know, I'm going to tell somebody, you know, like I get it so much like, oh, when you go to a new track and, you know, how do you figure your setup out to go faster the track? It's like, that's, that's so not important. And, yeah. you know, I have, you know, I'm, I'm one of the few drivers where I don't like messing with setup that much. Like I have a baseline setup that I come up with that is just something that I'm comfortable driving. And I have like yeah. a couple little things that I, I have like my go-to changes, you know, if Mm. I wanted to, I could drive my car with the exact same setup and go to all these tracks and drive pretty decent. You know, for us pro drivers, we drive our cars right on the ragged edge. So, you know, we do change some things and, you know, we need to get it so that we can push closer to that edge. But for 95% of the people, they're nowhere even close to the edge of their car. Because they just don't have the driving skill, you know, but they won't take the time to actually perfect their driving skill. And, you know, they just want to come up with different excuses. And, you know, another big thing is people change cars way too often. You know, it takes it takes at least a year if you are a skilled mechanic and a skilled driver to learn a car. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, like, okay, take me at the Reedy race. Yeah, I won my first race with the, you know, EB410 and the AE two-wheel. But that doesn't mean that I knew those cars. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, like, you know, I had the setup right, and, like, I gelled with that track, and the race all went good. 
but it took me all year to learn those two cars. And, you know, I'm a skilled mechanic. I'm a skilled driver. I know what I want. And it still takes that long. So when you have people that, you know, they buy different cars all the time because they think if you buy some car, all of a sudden you're going to get better. And like, that just doesn't happen. You Mm -hmm. know, you have to stick with the car for a while to learn it, to learn how to maintenance it so that you can finish races, to learn how to set it up, to learn what stuff goes bad, what parts last longer, all those types of things. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I've experienced that myself. I ran uh, for TLR for quite a few years here in the UK, and then I made the switch to Associated. And you're definitely right. You, you kind of feel more comfortable with the car after you've had it for a certain period of time, like say a year, 18 months. And that's when you really start to kind of get to know it and the constant kind of maintenance that you perform in the car, you get to learn it inside out. Uh, so I, I completely agree with you in, in regards to that. Um, yeah, it makes, it makes a think- big difference. I mean, you see, you see some people in this country, they do change. They think the, the new cars come out from such and such, they're going by that and they're instantly going to go quicker but they don't give them, uh, themselves a chance to learn the car or to get comfortable with it in the first place. I think they're looking for the easy options. I mean, what Jared, you've just described there, I think goes on throughout the RC community, doesn't it, Alexander? People who don't maintain their cars, people who proudly then say, I haven't touched this car since uh, a month ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, then, I haven't changed the, <laughs> the people always chasing the golden setup. But, you know, then you, you see, well, why haven't they gone out for practice? Oh, because their, mul- their, their, their motor desoldered and they haven't been taking <laughs> care of it. It's all of those stupid mistakes that hold people yeah. back, but they don't want to put the time or, or effort into, yeah. into getting that part of the picture right. I mean, I spent ages working on my cars because I obviously do everything twice for myself and for my eldest son, A. So I, I'm working in my workroom on cars that can sometimes seem that feel in the national season all the time. Yeah. But that's because I don't want to be making those mistakes at the track side. I think we yeah. see that in, 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 in all sorts of uh, people in, in RC. And... Um, Sorry, Alexander, are you going to chip in there with something? Yeah, it was quite interesting. Sorry, going back to Jared when he said he doesn't really change much on his cars. Yes, yes. You can see quite that a was lot of. Um, you see, you see quite a lot of interviews with you, Jared, when you've been kind of when they're doing track walks or pit walks, and people come over to you and, and talk to you if you've had maybe not the run you wanted, and they say, "So, are you, are you going to change anything for the next rounds?" And you always just say, "No, I'm happy with the car. I just need to drive better." So that's that's generally the kind of uh, answers that you give. So, you, yeah, I see from that you don't really change your car too much. You try and get somewhere where you're comfortable and just try and focus on your driving rather than chasing a setup. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, for my level, that's a tough balance. Um, I'm trying to learn setup changes better now, um, but it's tough. You know, it's so much is mental. So you can't just like just throw some changes on your car and go up on the driver's stand and not know what it's going to drive like. So I need, I need to know if I change this, this is how my car is going to drive different. So I can go up on that driver's saying, so a lot of our races in the U S now, like we get like one warm up lap. Yeah. And you know, so I have to be ready to do one warm up lap, start the clock and be able to drive my car right on the safe side of the limit and be able to catch it. If it does anything weird. Hmm. And so the mental side there is really key. So you can't, you know, it's way too dangerous just to be throwing all kinds of stuff on your car or changing a bunch of stuff if you're not comfortable with it. 
Um, yeah. You know, and it's tough too. Like, you know, my situation's different now with techno where, you know, I have an engineer at most of the races. Um, I have teammates that, you know, like we're all pretty vocal with our setups and stuff. And so there's lots of different opinions going around and, you know, we all, you know, setups and, and what you feel, and then you have the engineering side, they're all different. Um, so that's just a really, that's just a really tough balance and something that takes time to learn to, you know, what things you can change and, and, um, you know, then it's just how you're, you know, how you're raised through your racing career. Like my dad, when I started, he was just like, you know, until you can run a clean race without making a single mistake, don't tell me to change the car yeah. <laughs> because, you know, like, I don't want to hear the car's not working good if you're out there crashing, you know, yeah, once yeah. you can run a clean race, then you can tell me that the car's not driving and I'll start working on it. And so, you know, that's just kind of how my dad was through his road racing career. He, he was yes. actually... He didn't road race professionally, like for his full living, but he rode at the professional level yeah. for a few years. Um, and so that's kind of how he was with his racing. And so that's kind of how, you know, he kind of taught me. So I, you know, I focus a lot on the driving, you know, maybe I could have won, you know, maybe there's some races I could have won that if I would have changed my setup some, but then, you know, there's other races that I won because, you know, I perfect and I work and focus on my driving, you know, mm. more than just setting up the car. So, yeah. you know, there, there's give and take on everything there. Um, you know, I like the driving side. I, I'm starting to learn and like the setup side and stuff, you know, but that, that stuff's, it's stressful and it's confusing and it's, uh, <laughs> there's so much gray area there. Um, yeah. you know, there's, what there's works one done. weekend doesn't seem like it works the next weekend sometimes. And, yeah, there's always arguments for and against what a certain setup change would do. So you can say it will give you yeah. more of something, but you can also say it will give you less of something else. And it's quite difficult, really, to kind of know exactly what to do, isn't it, sometimes, I suppose? Yeah, yeah, it's really tough. And, you know, then you have the engineer side and, you know, what they say things are supposed to do. And it's like, yeah, as a driver, it's totally different, you know, like I can only feel. So when you do a setup change, you know, like for me, not knowing much of the engineer side, I don't really have like, if I do something that I don't, that I don't have an opinion on what it's going to do, I'm pretty unbiased. But then like say an engineer, if you change something, they're thinking it's going to do something. So then their vision's already biased yeah. by them mm, watching. Yeah, of course. And then they don't know, like, you know, when you deal with a top level driver, they don't, they can't tell exactly what I'm feeling because I can hide a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And you're not going to see it, you know? Mm. and so it's you know yeah there's there's it's like your ability to drive around a situation so if if a yeah, car's I mean, not behaving lots, quite you know, as you wanted to you can control it yeah like sometimes well like say like dnc for example um you know for for a rough track and when it's getting you know kind of blown out um you know we'll take uh you know some people want to stiffen up the front end and they want to numb the steering some so that the car is so-called easier to drive yeah and for me when it's really rough i actually want like the most steering i can get because i need to be able to position my car exactly where i want it when i want it yeah mm -hmm. and so you know like one of the rounds we changed my truck and it took a bunch of steering away and 
I could not drive it at all. I was so <laughs> frustrated after the run. And um, Danny, the owner, he's also the engineer. He's like, oh, man, you know, it looked really good in some of these corners. And I was just like, it was completely undrivable. Like, I couldn't even put the truck where I wanted it whatsoever. But they couldn't yeah. see that because, you know, it's still looking like I'm driving in the right spots. And they yeah. can't tell if I hit a line, but I really don't want it to be there. But I ended up there just because that's just where it ended up. Um, you know, so that's that's always a tough balance. And that's something that, you know, you have to just build trust with each other. And so, you know, set up stuff is it's so tough because people feel different things. And then at different skill levels, you need a different feeling, you know, like for a be you know, a sportsman guy, their suspension might feel really good at a certain speed. But then if I drive it, I'm going yeah. into the corner so much faster and I'm hitting bumps so much harder that that yeah. same suspension setup's not going to feel that good. But yes, then if they, course. if they put my suspension setup on for their speed and their skill, the cars, you know, the car might be way too stiff and it might be too loose and not handle right. So yeah, mm. it's quite a personal thing, isn't it? Such a really. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, how many times do we discuss that, Alexander? It's like yeah. people will come up and say, "Oh, uh, I was at this race meeting and I tried say Michael Olowski setup or, or Neil Craig setup, and it really didn't work for me." Well, that's because you ne you need to kind of yeah. find a base and work from it because theirs probably won't work for you, and everybody's yeah. individual. I mean. Going back to something you said there, Jared, about not changing your car too much, that's very true for yourself. And, for example, a friend of ours, uh, mine, Alexander's a, a guy called Lloyd Story, who's a top UK national driver. It would amaze some people to know that he doesn't change his an awful lot either. He has a base that he goes to that knows that he works for him, which tying yeah. in with what you were saying about getting one lap open practice jared i can see you need to know what that car's going to do so for example at the workshop series which is a big indoor series here in the uk you get half a lap so when abe goes out half a lap and he has to familiarize himself with it's like an unusual cork floor surface and we use it's a schumacher tire called the honeycomb it looks a bit like a clay tire and we use that on on that surface and it's quite unique in the uk there's nowhere else like it and it's half a lap and when we had a big indoor race on CRC carpet earlier this year at the Silverstone Club up in Lutworth, didn't we, Alexander? You got no, yeah. you got no warm up lap at all. So you put your car down and you had to go. And then the five minutes <laughs> cold, it was really difficult. It's been hard work, without, yeah. <laughs> it was, and so um, of course, um, you know, with with that um, uh, element of the racing. You need to know what your car's going to do so that you can hit that five minutes, Jared, at the level you're racing at to put down your best five minutes or whatever it may be. So yep. I, I, I totally understand that. And um, something I was just mentioning earlier was obviously um, looking at the timeline, you've been uh, uh, at the top of uh, our industry, of RC now for 20 years, which is quite phenomenal, really. And staying motivated, I think, is is something that uh, is, is of interest. I mean, we have people like Neil Cragg, for example, been around a long time, still at the top. And having that urge to be uh, still there fighting with the, with amongst the younger drivers that are coming through and the established drivers in the U.S., 
is is I think quite an achievement. And um, for example, there's there's something that uh, uh, yourself and I, um, some people know this about me in the UK. Uh, lots of people know about yourself, but we share something very much in common. Alexander doesn't because he's a heathen, although I still talk to him <laughs> about it. And that's his, um, myself and, and Abe, my eldest, in fact, my whole family are, but myself and Abe that go racing, we obviously are Christians, which you are as well, um, and Ty Tessman. And there's also Dom Nunn here in the UK, a good friend of mine. He's a Christian guy too. And, I mean, for example, with myself and Abe, we, we pray on our way to races. Um, it gives us a lot of motivation. And uh, that, obviously, that faith element of your life is uh, is something that uh, matters a lot to you as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it uh, it, it really does. Um, you know, even through my through my racing, you know, you say uh, 20 years, um, you know, when I first started, um, I considered myself an atheist. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Got uh got saved during my journey into adulthood, and um yeah, I mean now you know my my Christian faith is a really big a really big part of my life, and um you know a lot of times I feel like I'm still racing because um you know God God wants me there, He wants me in the RC industry, mm -hmm. um you know I share a lot of my life, uh a lot of my experiences, a lot of my story. And, um, you know, I feel like, uh, there's a lot of people that need to hear that. And, you know, maybe that's why I'm still here, still racing. Yeah. I think God has a use for you. And, uh, he certainly blessed you in the racing arena. Uh, as I say that, uh, to be at the cutting edge of RC for so long, I think is, is, is a fantastic achievement. Uh, it also gives an inner strength, I believe. I mean, as, uh, Alexander knows that, uh, Abe and myself will pray for our race results and just pray that we have a good day. You know, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. And that's how things go uh, in racing. Uh, but um, does any of that come into play for yourself? Because it's a great source of strength to draw on, I think, um, in racing. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing that um, becoming a Christian and um receiving that grace and that love has it's i know i know my worth so yes racing when you race for a living it's really difficult because you have ultimate highs and ultimate lows all the mm. time you know a lot of times multiple in the same day um mm. and especially now with social media and people are just so mean and it's mm -hmm. really wild, you know, you can be a hero one second and then you can be hated the next second and you can have people saying, you know, terrible things about you. And, you know, to say that that's like easy to handle is a total lie. And I think that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing is like I'm able to take that stuff and I'm able to even like, you know, take out what people say, but me just taking a loss or taking a so-called failure at a race, I'm able to learn from that a lot more. And I'm able to keep my perspective in check and to know that like my life, my self-worth has nothing to do with my race result. That's right. Like Whether I win, whether I lose my self-worth, how much Jesus loves me, like that doesn't change like at all. 
not one percentage. Mm-hmm. You know, if I win every race and every world championship and everything, it doesn't change anything. If I go and I lose and all my sponsors fire me and, you know, I just forget how to drive an RC car, my self-worth still doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's been probably the biggest thing, um, yes. you know, and just being able to handle the bad situations, um, you know, and uh, being able just to forgive people, you know, there's, there's, you know, people take you out and different things. You get in these fights and these arguments and stuff, and it's, it's really easy to take it from the track into the pit, you know, especially yes. now social media, you know, it's so silly. Some of the, arguments you'll see about a race or a takeout whatever and you just see you know these friendships and these relationships just end over something so silly and uh you know i'm i'm able to you know to work on that on that forgiveness and you know see the forgiveness that i'm given um and the grace that i'm given from god and you know i'm able to uh forgive people and you know share that share that grace and uh you know just just be happier yeah i i i completely agree with you and i know exactly what you're talking about i sometimes see people who might post a comment on maybe your facebook or or maybe on ty tessman's or others and i just think you know if you've got nothing nice to say but ridicule their faith i find it quite um well it's just it's just ridiculous and i think that um it's a bit sad really when people do it and that they've got nothing nice to say and i think that uh like you say that justification that jesus loves you no matter what and no matter what you achieve i think is 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 absolutely true and it's really wonderful and that's what i try and explain to abe as well for the ups and downs because he's he's only just turned 13 and uh he's obviously uh, not not anywhere near your level of racing but he's pretty good uh, for what one of the juniors coming through in the UK and you can you can go in a race day from doing great to you know a, a breakage on lap one after all, the whole day that you've worked for and uh, I think uh, I've tried to impart to him with his mother who's a Christian as well uh, is that you know to take those losses and let it go and he doesn't always find that easy uh, but he's a lot younger than me and i think that uh hopefully with age comes some wisdom as well and that that'll help him and uh it was uh megan i believe uh i know that you've uh, told uh, your uh, shared your story before um who was uh, uh, uh responsible in 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 part in obviously leading you to uh to your faith in jesus is that not correct yeah i would say that's that's uh that's pretty accurate um you know when we started dating um you know i didn't uh didn't know god didn't know jesus um she grew up uh christian her her family was christian they went to church um but you know it was really cool i i knew her dad for a long time i knew her brother um mm-hmm. you know we were friends they you know, I, I knew where they stood. They kind of knew where I stood, but they didn't judge me. Um, yeah. you know, they didn't, uh, you know, they, they allowed me to date their daughter. Um, they invited me to their home, you know, when I would go and visit Megan, you know, I would respect them. I would go to their church, you know, yeah. I wasn't disrespectful or anything. Um, and then, you know, I, I went through a bunch of turmoil, uh, just with my own family. My mom tried committing suicide. 
Mm. And then a year later, my dad went to prison. And, uh, you know, that was all during like my junior and senior year of high school. And so, um, you know, those were some really, (laughs) yeah, those were some really tough things. And so I had to grow up really fast. And, uh, um, you know, she, uh, she just showed me a lot of love and that there's something better out there, you know, um, thank God I didn't, didn't turn to drugs or to alcohol or anything like that. Um, you know, to try to fix my, you know, hurting feeling that I had. And, um, yeah. Yes. Turned to God, prayed to him. I broke down in my, in my bedroom all by myself and, you know, prayed for the first time and, you know, it was life changing, you know. They say that uh, your your old it self is. is dead. It is life changing. And you're reborn. Yeah. And yeah. It is absolutely life changing. It is absolutely life changing. As I've told Alexander many a time, and I will continue to tell him, it is absolutely life changing. And that's why um, Abe, um, uh, my eldest, uh, who races with me, that's why we have uh, the fish symbol on our cars, and we also have a little hashtag R for J, which is racing for Jesus. That. I got from my very good friend, Dom Nunn. Uh, He has that on his cars as well. And Brendan does our sprays, our shells. He's a Christian too. So, um, yeah, there's a a few of us around. There's a lot, man. It's really good to see. There's probably a lot more than you realize. It's, uh, you know, a lot of people are kind of scared to be, or scared to be super open, but um, it's pretty cool. I have, uh, you know, I'm I'm super open about it. And um, I have so many people come up to me and, share different stories and stuff and uh you know even the u.s there's there's a lot of christian racers um man even the china worlds uh you'd be surprised how many Mm. how many people from china and certain parts of asia have came up to me and you know yes thanks me for you know sharing all my stuff and you know telling me that they're christians their family are christians and stuff and that's it's it's really awesome yeah, that is, it is. It is. It's fantastic. I mean, there's a real common ground there. I know that for myself, when I find out somebody and I think, well, oh, I just wonder if they, they have some faith because of how they, how they come across. It's, uh, it always, uh, it's always, ha- it makes me very happy when I could help somebody or inspire somebody or they explain that they have faith or, or whatever it may be. And yeah, it's, it's, I know what you're saying. Not everybody is as open about it uh as uh as yourself uh, and obviously ty testman is but it's uh we are out there and it's uh it's nice to know that we are i think and um this just thinking uh of uh how busy you must be one of the final things i wanted to cover off really before alexander might have a question or two was obviously you have your jtp products i don't know how you have the time to do it so uh How's that all going for you at the it's moment? Going, it's going really good. You know, um, I, I don't have very many things, you know, especially right now. I basically just have my diff and shock oil. And, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, um, it doesn't take up too much time. Uh, I, I enjoy, I enjoy doing it. And um, I kind of, I kind of do the JTP stuff to kind of fund, uh, fund my hobbies. So it, you know, yes, was funding my dirt bikes. And now it's kind of funding our, my mountain biking and the kids mountain biking and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's going good. Uh, I don't really have any, you know, hard parts. I had some stuff for the Kyosho cars and I, uh, I enjoyed that, you know, um, I, I came up with all those, you know, ideas and stuff. And it's, it's fun learning the different processes and, 
you know, it's really cool mm. to see people using your stuff to see like, you know, someone in a JTP shirt or hat or a sticker on their car, or, you know, walking through and see someone with some yeah. JTP shock oil or diff oil. Um, you know, so yeah, it's, 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 uh, of course, yeah, it's going, it's going really well. Um, it good. It must, it must be rewarding. I saw you, uh, to see them using your stuff. I, I seem to remember you on a Facebook post posting a load of boxes out a few yeah, weeks or yeah. months ago. It was, I think you had loads of stuff going out. That's good to see. It's good yeah, to see. Yeah. The oil's picking up, you know, oil's a tough thing because, you know, most racers, they're going to already have shock oil and stuff. So they're not going to just up and, you know, throw away all their stuff that they have and just switch. So, you know, it's, it's taken some time mm. for people to kind of try it and to see that, uh, you know, that it actually makes a difference. Um, you know, that's another thing where, mm. you know, some people might not think it makes a difference. Some people, you know, do think it does. So it's just, uh, it takes a little bit of time, but it's, it's really picked up now. Um, you know, mainly just in the U S mm. I'm, I want to keep JTP small. I have no desire to turn it big and have, you know, distribution yeah. and all this stuff. You know, it's, it's a fun little hobby of mine. I like, I like kind of man managing it mm. and, and, you know, have it be personal, yeah. you know, me or my wife, we package every order. We type in every address. We tape every shipping yeah. label, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, down in my basement right next to all my race stuff um so it's you know it's yes. a it's a personal little business and it's it's fun you know i don't uh i don't want to grow it's anything big i think that's yeah i think that's very positive and not everything has to you know become sort of some mega business it can, it can be just right that it's just something that stays as something that you do with megan and it's something you enjoy doing as a sideline to, to fund your hobbies as that's that's great. I think sometimes people can want to turn something into some sort of great big business and it, maybe it's not suited. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. Um, Alexander, did you have anything to ask uh, Mr. Tebow whilst he's on the line? Yeah, I think um, a lot of people here in the UK and some of our listeners abroad as well would be quite interested to see or to know. Kind of, um, you mentioned we you started at uh, DNC was probably one of your first standout races. Yeah, with uh, an RC10 GT was yep. it? So you ate racing the, the stadium truck. Um, so from there, where did it kind of progress to? Like, um, so obviously you've you've been multiple time national champion. Um, you've won a couple of world championships as well. But just give people an idea of, of how much you've won and what you've won, and maybe the kind of the, the races you're most proud of winning either from um the, the size of the race for example a world championship or something that you perhaps went into and you, you didn't think you'd win but you actually managed to come through the other side as a, a top place yeah yeah i'll kind of jump back into kind of how my career got launched um you know so uh i kind of talked about dnc and so we'll take a couple steps back it was actually in like november of 99 um, so, all right, we'll just, we'll just start from the beginning. This will be the easiest. So I got my first car in mm. March 99. I was 12, was practicing, you know, club racing and stuff, had a few different tracks I went to. And the, the main track that I kind of got started at, it was in uh, Bakersfield, California. And, uh, they had this yeah. summer series. So, and they actually had a sportsman and an expert. So I started in the sportsman and, um, I pretty much started winning right away. And so by the time the series ended, um, I was way too good to be racing in the sportsman class. But 
I yeah. stayed in the sportsman class just to like finish the series. And so the last race of the series, uh, Matt Francis, who was a top paid low C driver at that, at that time too. Um, yeah. he came to the track yeah. to, to do like a series race, you know, he knew someone there or something. And so, um, I was 12, no one, you know, he didn't know who I was or anything. And I signed up and I raced expert and sportsman so that I could, you know, race for the series for the sportsman, but I wanted to race in the expert class. And, uh, I, I ended up yeah. winning both classes and beat Matt Francis that night. <laughs> and <laughs> former world champ well former world champion himself wasn't he in, yeah. in the 90s with the yep. b2 yep and so yeah. um so then like a couple weeks later there was a race called the hot rod shootout and it was at hot rod hobbies and that was another track that i went to a lot and uh so that was like my first big race that i went to and i don't remember exactly where i qualified or where i finished but one round um and there was uh pavitas was there francis was there uh, Richard Saxton, yeah. uh, Billy Easton. Um, one round, I uh, I was TQing. I was leading the heat, and I was gonna TQ, and I crashed on the last corner. I stuck the pipe, and uh, <laughs> Steve O'Donnell was there, and he actually offered me a sponsorship right then, like after that qualifier, and so he was really my first sponsor. Yeah. So then he got me sponsored. 50% with associated. So then when I went to DNC that first time, I was 50% with associated and I was sponsored by O'Donnell. He was helping me with fuel and helping me with my engines and stuff with my tune. So then the next yeah. race was the Silver State. And, you know, like I said, we were, we didn't have much money. So tires was the big struggle. Um, I kind of had this system of tires that I would switch through i had like a practice set a qualifying set and a main set and i would use them each a certain amount of times and you know shuffle them down so like if i raced you know yeah. two mains on my main set and that would turn into my qualifying set and i would race with those for you know four weeks or something and that would turn into my practice set you know and we would buy a new set for the main and you know we had this cycle that we would do yeah and so we tried getting sponsored by ProLine after I finished fourth in DNC, and they're like, oh, no, we're not really interested. And so we went to Silver State, and, you know, some people kind of knew who I was, but my dad liked keeping to himself, so we didn't pit with anybody. And um, I ended up top qualifying gas truck. And back then, uh, gas truck was actually the premier class. And Yeah, huge class. Right, yeah. yeah, that was the race that they debuted, like the Triple XNT. Um, and so yeah. I top qualified and, you know, I had got a whole bunch of like press and stuff and the main didn't, didn't go good. I actually, I still think that somebody, you know, somebody didn't want me to win and they were turning on their, turning on like my frequency and making my car glitch. Oh God. Yeah. And, uh, cause I was, yeah. I was like Ooh. leading and then like my car would just like run away for a couple seconds and then it would come back on. Like it did that all race long. And so I don't remember exactly where I finished and stuff, but so then that race really like started my career and uh, Richard Saxton, he kind of took me under his wing after that race and he got me sponsored by Thunder Tiger full 100% and full travel for me and my dad. And then team associated uh, started sponsoring me 100%. And then um, Proline actually like, came back and was like oh yeah we'll sponsor you <laughs> and um 
<laughs> so then Richard, he actually gave me his eight scale after that race. And yeah, so I practiced and stuff and we got ready and, uh, silver state was a little bit later in the year, um, than like it is now. Well, it's, it's kind of moved back to May. And so the next big race was the roar nationals. And so this was like the first race that we ever flew to. And, um, funny yeah. enough, it was actually at my, uh, father-in-law's house now. Um, it was in Pleasant Hill, Missouri, where, okay. you know, it was at my wife's yeah. house and uh, I didn't know her at the time. <laughs> and so that was, that was my first ever eight scale race. And, um, I qualified straight into the A main and gas truck, but in eight scale buggy, I qualified into the C main and I bumped out of the C. And then in the B, I like led the whole B main and my last pit stop, um, I flamed out coming out of the pits and I, I got oh. fired up and, uh, I was in third and I passed Adam Drake for second on the very last lap. And so I took the last <laughs> bump spot into the A main and then, um, yeah, I actually finished second and I almost won. That was the year Brian Kinwald won driving a Kyosho car. And, uh, so yeah. I was, I was yeah. 13. It was my first ever eight scale race. Like I never even club raced an eight scale and, uh, my first time ever at a national and I got second in eight scale buggy. So that was, so that was pretty cool. And so, you know, at that time, then it was like, you know, my career was pretty much going, um, later yeah. that year, I went to Detroit for the Kyosho challenge and there I won my first race. Um, I battled Matt Francis and gas truck the whole main and uh, just barely won. We were like neck and neck down the fin down the straight and I won. And so that was pretty cool. So, uh, you know, I've, I won a big race in 2000 and I won SIC this year in 2020. So, you know, I've won a big race yeah. in a 20 year span. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. yeah. And then go to 2001, it was at the Reedy truck race. Um, I TQ'd and me and Brian Kinwald battled, uh, the whole main and I ended up winning. And, uh, after qualifying, after I TQ'd Mike Reedy, he was still the team manager for associated. He actually offered me my first paid contract. So Reedy and associated, yeah. uh, they started paying me $250 a month, um, to drive for them in 2001. And I got, you know, my first like real yeah. professional contract from Mike Reedy. So that was, that was pretty cool. You know, I'm kind of one of the, yeah, one of the last sure. drivers still racing that got a contract from Mike Reedy. Um, you know, Neil, mm. Neil Craig yeah, probably that's, that's did. Great. Um, but, yeah. uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of how it, you know, and then it just kind of progressed from there. I won my first uh Roar National Championship in 2003. Um and yeah. that was in gas which was in truck. In gas truck. Yeah. And uh, I actually won um 5 years in a row gas truck national championship. So that's pretty cool. I have the oh, most wow. winningest uh national yeah, yeah. champion ever yeah. in in the gas truck class and um which is sadly that's a class that's no longer yeah. with us, isn't it? The yeah, gas truck. Because when I started, I never that they had the national. Yeah, I never raced gas truck myself. But when I started, it was the RC10 GT, and I remember the Triple XNT being released. And I used to race electric stadium truck 
um, when that was quite popular yeah. in this country back in the kind of the time when you I, I probably started about the same time as you did in kind of 98 99 um and then race the yeah, electric stadium truck through then like the rc10 t3 and the b3 yeah. buggy at the time um but it's a class that slow in this country certainly slowly died and I, I know it was a bit more popular than it was here in america but um but yeah it died over there as well why do you think it did disappear is it because eight scale became so popular and people just wanted the bigger cars or yeah eight scale became more popular and then they made the truggy and i think you yeah. know uh once people could race two four-wheel drive classes i think they just you know the two-wheel yeah. drive was a lot tougher to drive um and then once the truggies mm. came on then the tracks were too small so then the tracks started getting bigger yeah and then you know yeah. gas truck got even harder and uh so yeah it took took a couple years of kind of the tracks growing for the track for the class just to kind of fizzle out um which you know it's it's a bummer that it happened um you know yeah. i think it was a really fun class it was a much more budget-friendly class for racing nitro um and it you know yeah. it taught you mm -hmm. a lot of really good driving skill stuff you know i think that's why I'm such a technical driver and, you know, I have certain driving skills that certain, you know, a lot of people don't have. Um, you know, I think I learned a lot, mm. you know, just only driving gas truck for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's think, something that will ever make a resurgence? Or you know, do you reckon, it's trying to. There's a lot uh, the way of things are going, are, just gonna... you know, are like finding old kits. It's like a popular kind of like vintage fun kind of thing that people are doing right now. Um, I don't know. It would yeah. take a lot for it to come back. Um, you know, the yeah. engine companies would have to make the, engines again for it because the engines right now, I mean, they're not made for it. You have to have a certain carburetor if you want it to work right. You got to bring the rotary yeah. carbs back, the slide carb. You really can't drive a gas truck right with the slide carburetor. Um, no. You know, they'd have to make, you know, a whole lot of new parts and things. And, you know, you still run into the problem where the tracks are too big. Um yeah. You know, there's yeah. especially now there's the demand like, has to be there, doesn't like it? No ten scale outdoor and um so I, I, I don't see it coming back. Um, you know, it's cool that some people are pushing it and you know, they're you know, I, I think that's cool just to kinda, you know, add some fun back to the hobby and kind of, you know, give some people some fun things yeah. to do. But as for it fully coming back, I, I don't really see it happening. No. No, so you won the five national championships in a row with the with the gas truck, and then where did it go from there? Um, so I, you know, uh, I started racing some some one ten scale here and there. Uh, Two thousand five is kind of when I started racing, or I'm sorry, I started racing electric ten scale. Um, I started racing, yeah. you know, more electric ten scale. Um, in two thousand five, and uh, you know, then move into you know, you're kind of asking, you know race i'm really proud of i would say 2006 the gas truck national championships one of my most proud moments because 2006 was the first year i had to work on my own cars um, my dad got arrested in 05 yeah. and then it took you know for everything to go through he ended up going to prison in mm -hmm. start of 06 and uh, we didn't really plan on it um you know it was kind of an awkward situation that we just didn't talk about uh, we knew it was going to happen, but we just ignored it. And so, yeah, I didn't know how to do anything. Like I, I didn't work on my cars at all. And so all mm -hmm. of a sudden it was like a pro driver with a full beginner mechanic. And 2006 was really <laughs> tough. Like I wasn't finishing barely any races. 
and then Associated made mm, their yeah. new RC10 GT2, and that was actually the first kit I ever built. And uh, so I built that kit yeah. all by myself and went to that race and worked on it all by myself. And uh, yeah, won. I, it wasn't looking like I was going to win. I struggled some. I qualified fourth. I didn't lead, you know, most of the main. And uh, I ended up, you know, getting the win at the end. And so that was a really big moment of like, I can do it. My career is not going to end. You know, yeah. I can get through this. And then, yeah. um, you know, then going to, uh, 2007, when I won the four-wheel drive worlds, that was just another big moment where, you know, I can do this and, you know, I'm still yeah. able to be successful. And, you know, that was just a tough time. 2006 and 2007 was just tough. It was when, um, you know, a lot of people in the industry kind of turned on me when my dad went to prison, um, you know, mm -hmm. which is a bummer because it had nothing to do with me. And, you know, he got, he got God. caught up in bad stuff and he made some terrible decisions. And, um, but it was kind of a shame that people, you know, tied that in with me. You know, I was just a young, innocent kid and, you yeah. know, like I just lost my dad. And so, you know, I needed like support and I did have support, but I had some haters. And then you add yes, in of course. Yeah. Uh, me becoming a Christian and then the haters grew some and, uh, so that was just yeah. a tough time. Um, and 2007 to win that four wheel drive worlds was really cool. Uh, me and Mayfield were really good friends during that time. And he actually taught me how to maintenance my cars and really how to work on my cars a lot. Um, when me, mm. Mayfield and Cav were on team associated, it was kind of like Cav got all the attention and it was like me and Mayfield teamed up together and we didn't care if he won or I won, but we just wanted to make sure Cavalier didn't win. So we kind of like <laughs> had this like teamwork and this like bond. And um, so that, that was a cool time, mm. you know, during, during then. And just, uh, yeah, to win that world was, was pretty special. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, that was like uh, to, to, to get in that period, learn to mechanic cars and then be world champion in 2007, four wheel drive. Yeah. The next year. Too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good going i think yeah it's a it's not it's no um it's no uh uh reach to say that obviously with uh yourself one of the greats really i think of the scene sorry if i'm uh embarrassing you but i think that's true i think one of the greats of the scene 20 years at the top i think you'd agree alexander wouldn't you yeah um yeah like neil Cragg, i would put in there uh, certainly I've been around a long time and still top class UK driver. Um, I still, my jaw drops watching him drive sometimes doing what he does. I think, uh, it's, 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 it's great to watch. And I'd obviously echo that as obviously with Lee Martin and Michael Olowski and others, but you know, they're younger somewhat. Um, and seeing yourself at there, obviously 20 years at the top is great. So what, what I would ask is, uh, Notwithstanding, obviously, the coronavirus going around, let's assume everything can open up maybe in the next few months. What's next for Jared? Um, just uh, keep learning. Um, that's the big thing that I'm focused on right now is uh, just I'm really learning a lot about myself and learning a lot about the cars and my driving. And um, that's that's really keeping me motivated. Um, so that's, you know, I 
I still have some goals that I haven't reached in my career. And, um, you know, I want to represent my sponsors uh, the best I can. I want to just uh, keep learning and, and improving. Um, that's that's the funnest thing about about RC um, is just uh, just learning. You know, it's crazy. I've been racing 20 years and I feel like I learn something new every time I go to the track. So, you know, that's that's my main yeah. focus. Um, I want to be competitive at the races. I want to be fighting for the wins. You know, I can't say, oh, I want to go win this race, win that race, because that's unrealistic. There's too many variables. But I want to go and fight for the wins and put myself in position to win if things line up right. Um, so that's yeah. that's my main goal. You know, I have I have a goal at Techno 2 to, uh, um, you know, to help to help Joe uh, Bornhorse. You know, we've become really, really good friends. and. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a really skilled driver. And so I, you know, I want to see him really succeed and, and see the company succeed. They have a lot of passion there. And, um, you know, so that's a goal of mine is to to try to be like a positive, a positive figure there and a positive impact and to try to, uh, you know, share some of my knowledge and, um, you know, build up Joe's confidence and, you know, show him how, yeah. how talented he is. And uh, hopefully he can you know, reach, reach all of his racing goals in his career as well. Yeah. So you see, you mentioned Joe, obviously a bit younger coming through. Um, who else do you see, um, kind of, especially in America or on the worldwide scene, maybe uh, the younger drivers, who else do you see who's going to be a threat in the, in the yeah, future? I mean, there's, there's a lot of good drivers right now, you know, um, Spencer Rivkin. I mean, he's, he's an amazingly skilled driver. Um, Dakota Fend is really, really skilled. Uh, you have Angaro, yeah. who's super, super skilled. Mm. Um, Orlowski, um, Ronald Falk, you know, and then you have, yeah. you know, Ty. He's he's getting older, you know, so I wouldn't put him in like that younger category. But uh, you know, he's still fighting really hard. Um, you have, you know, mm. Mayfield and Cav. They're still there. Um, the competition is. Yeah. Uh, is really is really strong in the u.s um and and worldwide yeah. you know um that's uh it's it's a lot harder now than it was when i started i know that for sure um <laughs> yeah you know just the just <laughs> i the think what's amazing now is the fact that... that that it takes you know that's something that people just uh they just don't realize you know um you take spencer rifkin for yeah. example you know he he came through the ranks fairly quick, you know, not quite as quick as I did, but I don't think you can come through as quick as I did now. Um, it's just different. You know, yeah. the, the skill level is higher now. Um, you know, me, Kevin Mayfield, we kind of changed the industry um, and the driving where, mm. you know, we practice so much more than the other guys. And uh, I think that's how yeah. we, we kind of took over and we ruled for so long is because, you know, yeah. we, we just elevated the driving so much. And now the new drivers, yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're so good. And, and the new kind of thing is, is elevating the setup stuff, which, you know, that's where I'm having to kind of step up my game, you know, Rivkin and Tessman and those kinds of guys, they, uh, they focus a lot on the setup. And, and so now not only do you have to drive really, really well, but, you know, at the top level, you have to be able to get the car, um, exactly how you want it. So it, uh, Mm. takes takes a whole lot of work um but yeah i i sure hope i sure yeah. hope the racing gets back going you know um i had really high hopes mm, for yes for silver Likewise. state 
<laughs> um, for, you know, some of my favorite races, AMS. I really like that race. Uh, the Nationals. I like the track that the gas nats are going to be at this year, LCRC. And, you know, I feel like my cars are going to be really good there. My driving is going to be good there. So that was a high, you know, uh, a f- spot on a focus for me was to, uh, you know, try to fight for those wins. I was obviously really excited for the worlds, you know, one eight scale worlds is, is a big item that's yeah. missing in my career. Mm. Um, but yeah. you know, that's not going to happen this year. And, um, you know, hopefully it gets scheduled next year and, you know, hopefully it kind of gets scheduled somewhere else where it's a little bit easier and safer to go to and, uh, not so much yes. controversy. So yeah, we'll, we'll see, you know, I'm trying not to stress too much with this whole shutdown, you know, it's scary and, uh, there's so much unknown, but, um, yeah, I'm going to start practicing. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's absolutely right. Get practice in, not that you need it, but yes, of course, I know. Yeah, you no, we, we do. do. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have to practice a lot, you know, um, before a race yeah. and stuff. I try to practice as much as I possibly can. And, you know, I got to find a balance there yeah. between family and work. Um, you know, it's getting better now. My kids are getting a little older where they can go to the track with me. Uh, but yes. it's, yeah. it takes a lot of practice, you know. Um it's a thing. If you, if you want to get good at anything, if you want to perfect any skill, you know, talent, I don't know, talent's a myth. Um, you know, some people might might have a little bit more skill uh, than others and you can, you know, it comes a little bit easier and, you know, talent can, can take mm-hmm. you like a little bit, but uh, talent, talent yeah. can't take you to being exceptional at anything. So it takes a whole no, no, heck it's of hard a work. lot of it's hard work. Hard, hard work and talent is the key combination. Uh, I think uh, you you can see people who have one or the other, yeah. but when you get them both together, that's that's the golden combination. Yeah. I think is uh, we got the ability and you put in the hours. Uh, it's always a tragedy when you see in any walk of life somebody who's got the ability but won't put in the yeah. time. Yeah. I think that's always a shame. Yeah. And then you get people that. The people who put in the time who might not have that ability will be yeah. and they wonder how and it's well you don't <laughs> practice or you don't you don't put the time yeah. in you know so uh yeah i mean jared it's been wonderful talking to you i'm sure our listeners will be uh, uh found this absolutely fascinating to have heard from you uh one of the top drivers in the u.s what you're doing how you've been all your achievements and your approach to racing. I know I found it fascinating. I'm sure you have too, haven't you, Alexander? Absolutely, yeah. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it really has. So we can thank you so much for your time. Um, and uh, God bless and uh, good luck to you uh, with your races uh, when we all reopen. And we'll be keeping in touch with you and seeing what you're up to next, I'm sure. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in and listening. Uh, share the show around and uh, thanks ever so much for joining us Jared. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on really enjoyed it. Yes we did too. God bless guys we'll see you soon.